The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Jim Trotter, welcome to Brother from Another. Jim Trotter and Jim Trotter's tie bar. Welcome back to the show. And, and Jim, look, I always tell you, I always tell you, don't I say this every time? On the air and off the air, I say, it's good to see you, right, Jim? I always say, it's good to see right. you. It's good to see right. you. And I mean it. And Jim, God forbid, if you get yourself into trouble. Let's say you happen to travel overseas and you get locked up for an extended period. If somebody asks me about Jim Trotter, this is what I'm going to say. I want the best for Jim. I hope everything works out. I'm going to do everything that I can so Jim can come home I, like because that's the least I could do right Jim if, if if you've done if you've done 10 shows so far 10 12 shows as a coach I'm not sure we're 12 and 0 and those shows and it's not my guidance maybe I'll take credit for one of those victories or two but you got or the three. other 10 or or, 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 but you but or you five. get the bulk of them you get the bulk of the credit so I say that to say this, Kim Mulkey. At one point, you went 40 and 0. And I'm going to say your coaching acumen, maybe you won like three games that year. Just you got the team through, they weren't prepared, and you saw something on film, you got them through. You had some motivational tactic that got your team out of the doldrums. But I'd say Brittany Griner probably was responsible for 15, 20. 25 of the 40 that year and you can't even fix your mouth when she's in trouble. You can't even fix your mouth to say something nice. You can't even twist out a um, I'll pray for her. You can't just burp out. She's in my prayer. You can't say anything. I want you to listen Jim to Kim Mulkey and this ignorant trifling response and then after we hear her words or non words you take it from there. Here's Kim Mulkey. Kim, two questions for you. First, how would you, with the the combination of transfers and incoming freshmen, how would you describe that process of, of putting that collective group together? And then, two, I just wanted to get your thoughts on on Brittany Griner's situation. And uh, I don't think I've seen anything from you on that. And just can you and you that? won't. I'll answer the first one for you. Wow! Every time I hear that, I get more angry. Um, the way she just dismisses Brittany as a human being. Forget all the beef or the controversy the two of them may have had about Brittany's time at Baylor. Um, she's a human being. And Kim just completely dismisses her in that way. And look, I know Kim Mulkey has, as I've read, and as has been reported, has conservative views on everything from homosexuality to um, the way people conduct themselves in their lives and whatnot. But. Brittany is a human being. And like you said, you couldn't at least said, I'm praying for her, I want the best for her. And what it does to me, Michael, it really does, it says to me that some of these coaches at the highest level still do not view players as human beings. They view them as transactional parts to help them get from point A to point B in Kim Mulkey's um, case to get to a national championship. Um, it was funny, I was doing some research on this and, I, and when I saw Brittany, um, her comment in her autobiography where she talked about having to live a closeted life at Baylor, even though she told Kim Mulkey when she was being recruited, Brittany said, I'm gay. And Kim basically said, doesn't matter. Brittany comes to Baylor mm -hmm. and then finds out that it's sort of a don't ask, don't tell policy. Right. And you keep that right. stuff private and in-house. And so Brittany said, you know, her quote in, in, in her autobiography was, I would love to be an ambassador for Baylor to show my school pride, but it's hard to do that. I've spent too much of my life being made to feel um, 
like there's something wrong with me. And no matter how much support I felt as a basketball player at Baylor, it still doesn't erase the pain that I felt. And it was that pain as a human being. So look, I have two daughters, one of whom played D1 um, um, athletics. And I can tell you this as a parent, me personally, never would allow my, my, my daughter, either of them, to go play for someone like Kim Mulkey. I just wouldn't. Um, I would hope that whoever my daughters would play for would view them as human beings and not just as disposable parts. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, I, I'm glad you added that at the end, Jim, because I saw some tweets from WNBA players, Baylor grads, who played at, at, at not, they didn't play with Brittany Griner, they played after at Baylor, but played for Malky before she left Baylor for LSU. And they said, hey, keep this in mind. Those recruits out there, keep this in mind. When you're looking at schools, just see how this is going down. See how a coach who says all these sweet things to you when they want to get you to sign and, and get you on campus, get you to Waco. Oh, we'll say all sorts of wonderful things. But if you, if you do anything that goes against what she thinks should be done, not only does she not support you, she got nothing to say. She has nothing. She won't even acknowledge you. And and look, I, I respect I respect all views. Okay, if you're going to have this uh, conservative viewpoint, liberal viewpoint, whatever, whatever, whatever you're going to be, just try your best to be it without being a hypocrite. Without here's, try here's your a... best to be it without being a fraud. You're a fraud, Kim Mulkey, because oh, you're against it. Oh, it goes against everything that you stand for. But she told you. Okay, why, why'd you recruit her then? Why'd you yeah. say, okay, if you feel that strongly about it, just say, well, we don't want, I'm not going to stand for that at Baylor and I'm not going to have that. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't feel that strongly about it, do you? No, She's not at all. Here's the, other, here's the other thing, Michael. So Kim Mulkey goes to LSU where she gets an eight-year contract, which is unprecedented um, for the university. Yep. And it's a contract for almost $24 million. Highest paid coach at the university outside of the football coach. She did not get that simply because she is a good coach. She got that on the backs of the players who went out on the court and performed for her. So at the very least, she should think about the position that she's in, those who helped her get there. And Brittany Griner was instrumental in Kim Mulkey getting to where she is today in terms of the success that she's had, the three national championships. I know Brittany won one with her, um, the two final four appearances Brittany had. Um, so for me, that's a problem. The other thing is, as I watched that clip, I can't help but notice the Coca-Cola bottle there and the farmer's just... thing in the backdrop. And I'm yeah. saying, yeah. if you are, if you own one of those companies, is this who you want to be aligned with? Because I don't. Forty and oh. Not only not Jim. Not only the the, the back there it is right there. Okay, the you got Bureau your you got insurance. your advertising right there. Farm Bureau Insurance. You got Coca Cola, and just look at and listen. Look at her face. Just she enjoyed it. She enjoyed snapping that one off. And Absolutely. You won't, yeah, and you won't. I'll answer the other question. I'll answer the question about transfers, but I won't ask a, a, a question. There you go. There it is. I won't ask a question about uh, a 40-0 record, a player who led us to a 40-0 record, a player who was the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft, which, what, not only good for Brittany Griner being the top pick in the draft, but where did she go? She went to Baylor. So... If you're on the recruiting trail, and this is what they all do, whether it's women's basketball, men's basketball, college football, whatever it is, they come in with the portfolio. They come in, check this out. I know, uh, oh, you heard of uh, you heard of this player? You heard that player? Yeah, I coached them. And I could do that for you too. This is a place where you can come not only get your education, this is a place you can come become a national champion. You want to play professionally? I've coached professional players. She, part of her contract, part of her reputation is built on Brittany Griner. And I just say, I, I'm really annoyed just with people like Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey and, and people like Kim Mulkey who, who take 
who kind of make up a philosophy. Because I would say, saying I have, saying I have conservative views in behaving that way is kind of an insult to conservatism. So mm-hmm. conservatism is, it, it, so you mean to tell me this is what conservatism is? Is this what it is? If you don't agree with me, I will, I will not acknowledge your humanity and I'll pretty much be an a-hole. I'll be an a-hole in the name of the gospel, ironically. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a strong, I'm so strong in my faith that if you don't agree with what I'm saying, um, I will shut you out because you're not like me. What kind of philosophy is that? What faith is that? Just tell me, tell me where I can find that in your gospel, and then I'll agree with you. If you could point it out to me, I think there are 66 books uh, in, the, in the religion that you follow, in the, in the, in the Bible, the, the, the faith that you follow. And one of those 66 books, where is that? Genesis? Matthew? Where is it? <laughs> show, me, show me that kind of philosophy, and then I'll agree with you. I, I shouldn't be laughing because it's so serious. Um, I just, every time I see that clip, I get a little more angry just at how you could dismiss a human being like that. I mean, she was just so dismissive. And as you say, oh. it was like she 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 wanted you to ask her that question so that she could dismiss it in, in, in the manner that she did. It's just, it's so infuriating. And again, if I'm a parent, there is no way I'm sending my daughter to play for Kim Mulkey. There is simply no chance of that happening. I, I, I just, the yeah. intolerance that she displayed, um, the lack of humanity, uh, I, I just, I can't even put it into words. It just, it makes yeah. me so angry, man. And, 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 the, and the last thing we'll say on this before we dismiss her and, and take a break so to kind of fumigate the room and then come <laughs> back to something good. But the last thing I'll say about it is, Nobody's asking her. I want to be clear on this. Nobody's asking her to agree. You don't have to nope. campaign for Brittany Griner. You could disagree with everything that happens. You could be against her. You could be. You can say, "Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, something was going on. They detained her for a reason. Or if she hadn't been doing that, if she didn't have that in her luggage, whatever it is, you could feel that way. But all you've got to do is just be." A, a supporter, a friend, a, a kind word, a kind word or two will get the job done. Maybe it doesn't move the needle. Who knows? Maybe it does. We'll never know because all Kim Mulkey wants to talk about was transfers. And, she and wants to talk about transfers. In, but I'm interested in hearing also how other fellow coaches are going to re- respond to this or react to this because we know – like Don Staley is ready to to take a group over there and go go get Brittany Griner out of there out, out of Russia on her own. I mean that's how strongly she feels about it. Yeah. And so I'm wondering how these other coaches, particularly at the elite level, feel about the way that Kim Mulkey acted in this situation, and and what that discussion is like among those co- those coaches throughout the upcoming season and whatnot, because it is so much bigger than basketball and so much bigger than Kim Mulkey that um, if you had told me she said this or reacted in this way without me actually seeing the clip, I would have said, no, well, no, she didn't. I just wouldn't right. have believed you, you know? Exactly. I, I, it, you know, what you'd say what, what all journalists say in these situations. I need to know the context. <laughs> you know, give me the context. Yeah, you must be leaving something out. No, we didn't leave anything out. No. That's the way it is, but... Um, Kim Mulkey, I hope uh, I hope you don't find yourself in a tough situation where your players have to say something nice about you, say something nice, or some of your colleagues have to say a nice word for you. I hope you're not in that situation where they just kind of go silent. Silence is the worst. She chose the worst response for a player who helped get her to where she is right now, all smug with her insurance advertising in the background and her coke. She didn't even have a coke and a smile. She had a coke and a frown. She had a coke and a sneer. <laughs> See, man, don't make me laugh about this. It's too serious. It's too serious. Come on, smile. Say something. Sour face. <laughs> 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are a lot of things that, that we need to do better. There are a lot of things that we'd like to do better. I think the best way to sum up my evaluation of it, whether it's the collective unit or components of the unit, is that we've been better with every outing. And, and so uh, it's reasonable to expect those pro- improvements to continue. Um, we haven't done enough to win the last two football games, and so um, there's reason for alarm as it pertains to that. But largely I'm seeing um, improvements in all areas whether it's individuals or whether it's the collective. What specifically with Mitch Trubisky do you like in the way that he's progressing? In all areas, um, in decision-making and where he's going with the ball, the time in which he's making decisions, the prudent use of mobility, um, whether it's by schematics or or by ad lib, um, but just generally all areas. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Be honest with you, Jim Trotter. Robert Mays at The Athletic and everybody listening on Sirius XM Channel 85 watching on Peacock TV. I played that clip of Mike Tomlin because I'm just going to play Mike Tomlin every day. Just for, <laughs> like, randomly. Randomly. Like, it's the poetry of Mike Tomlin. I sometimes just drop in, listen to Mike Tomlin press conferences. For what reason? I don't know. I love listening to Mike Tomlin talk. The prudent use of mobility, he said. Did you catch that? The prudent use <laughs> of mobility. All right, Robert Mays, in all seriousness, okay, as much as I enjoy listening to Mike Tomlin, he did talk about a subject I'm interested in. That's Mitch Trubisky, still the starting quarterback of the Steelers. You fine gentlemen who know uh, football uh, at a very high level. Tell me why Tomlin believes in Trubisky more than the rookie Kenny Pickett. I don't know if it's a belief. I think it's just part of the plan. And I was always wondering what they were thinking with the quarterback position, how it felt and played into what they wanted to be in 2022. And the Steelers are such a unique team in the sense that they want to win every game. It's not a long-term view. There's no precedent put on there. There's no importance put on what's going to happen a year from now or two years from now, every single week they want to win. And that's why I thought that Trubisky would be the week one starter, just because in the short term, they thought he was better. And Mike Tomlin has to go to Cam Hayward and he has to go to the other veterans on that team and tell them, look them in the face and say, we're trying to win every single game. But at this point, I'm wondering if that's true anymore. Even if Kenny Pickett is slightly worse, it still feels like you're better setting yourself up for right now and the future for him to play. And that's my question is how many different reasons do we have for Mitchell Trubisky to still be the starter if he's not considerably better right now? And the most important thing for your franchise long-term is getting Kenny Pickett developed. I think some of it could be based on um, the upcoming schedule and just the fact that they can't protect right now. And with a young quarterback, you have to worry about his psyche if you can't protect and he's going to be hit or sacked a lot. What does that do for him long term? Because that's really the only reason I can think that they have not turned to Kenny Pickett yet. So he showed promise in the preseason in terms of what he did when he was in there and whatnot. Knowing Mike Tomlin the way that I do, I just have to believe, as you say, it's about the process, but it's also about the long-term effects of if we put him in and he's getting hit and defensively without T.J. Watt, we can't play the type of defense we want and we can't run the ball effectively. We're We're asking our young quarterback to do a lot, and I just don't think that he is ready to put him in that situation at this point. It's a great point. When we were recapping the game last Thursday night, I, I said, I can't, why wouldn't they just play him? And then our producer pulled the schedule up and I just came to a skidding halt. It's like, well, that's probably why. That's probably the reason why. I don't feel comfortable putting him in right now. Yeah, now you're speaking of, I'm glad you brought up Thursday night, Robert, because uh, tomorrow night, and there's a schedule there for the Steelers. Uh, but they, they got the Jets coming up, but the, the nasty Bills, <laughs> Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles, then a bye. Oh, wow. Maybe maybe after week nine, Kenny Pickett 
circle the Saints. If Jameis is still the quarterback, then we don't know. But you mentioned Thursday night, uh, Robert. Last Thursday had a game between the Steelers and Browns, but this Thursday you've got not so young quarterbacks, but interesting. Same draft, Joe Burrow taking on Tua Tungavailoa. And I got to tell you, Robert, I was not uh, as recently as, hmm, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was not a Tua guy. And I have to, he's forcing me to reconsider. What, what, what do you think? What do you think this game is going to be? It's so interesting from Miami's perspective to continue their undefeated uh, trek. And then Cincinnati just trying to get a win. How do you see this one? I'm fascinated to see what the Dolphins offense against the Bengals defense is going to look like. The Bengals defense is such an interesting group. You know, last year, they're full of veterans. They've really built this team mostly through free agency. And the guys they brought in are all extremely smart. And you saw what they could do during the playoffs. They had these hyper-specific game plans that were really tailored to slow down specific quarterbacks. And you think back to the game they played against the Chiefs where they were doing all that drop eight coverage and really doing unique things that were totally tailored to Patrick Mahomes. So I want to see what their defense does to an offense that's as unique as Miami's is with all of the motion that they use, all of the RPOs that they use, all of the speed that they have. I think this Bengals defense is arguably one of, if not the most flexible defenses in the entire league. So what Lou Anaruma, their defensive coordinator's plan is for this version of the Dolphins offense, it's the number one thing I'm excited to watch tomorrow night. No, that's a great point. You know, a lot of people have poo-pooed this team's defense from the standpoint the last two weeks, they played backup quarterbacks. Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, they haven't allowed a touchdown in seven consecutive uh, quarters, 20 consecutive possessions without allowing a touchdown. But here's what fascinates me about this, this matchup Thursday night. We don't get a lot of trash talk in the NFL before games. Maybe after, but not before. But we got Tyreek Hill coming at Eli Apple now. And then we have Jesse Bates, one of the most mild-mannered, classiest guys in the NFL, clapping back at, at Tyreek, saying, if you come for one of us, you come for all of us. And then Ooh. saying, I don't know why Tyreek is so upset. He's so emotional right now. Maybe Eli didn't get him tickets to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm loving this right now. I'm loving it because I want to see what's going to happen because you've got two of the fastest receivers, arguably the fastest duo in the NFL playing against a team, again, that hasn't given up a touchdown in seven consecutive quarters. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun if Tua is healthy. That's what we got to hope for, that he's healthy well, in terms of going out well, there and you, performing. Do you both uh, – and, and keep it right there, Trotter. I'll go to you and then to Robert. Do you both buy Tua – Slash Miami. I mean, they're, they're a package deal. Like like Jesse Bates said, we on in the secondary, we're a package deal. So Tua and the offense is a package deal as well. Do you buy that whole operation, that three and zero operation in Miami? I do buy it. Um, I, I think we have seen a melding of the minds in terms of Tua and Mike McDaniel. It also shows what happens when you actually put talent around a player, and then it takes time to develop in this league. Not every young quarterback comes in and lights it up right away. And Tua went through some things. My biggest concern with Tua, to be frank with you, today and going forward, is his injury history. He's just a guy who has not been able to stay on the field. And, and when we're talking long term, um, that's something that I, I factor in. So I think he's playing at an extremely high level. He's incredibly bright. He's got talent around him. He's getting the ball where it needs to go. But the injury factor is a concern for me when it comes to Tua. I want to see more. How about yeah, you, Robert? I guess that's where I'm at right now. I want to see a little bit more. Yeah. I think he's more than capable of piloting the sports car that is that Miami Dolphins offense right now. That's what it is. I mean, that thing is so incredibly well-tuned with the players that they have. I think that Mike McDaniel and that staff have done an incredible job so far. If you just look at little tweaks they've had on plays that they've used over the first two weeks and how they trotted those out last week, everything makes sense. It all fits together. And when you combine a well-constructed offense with pure juice that they have at receiver you've seen the results of that so far and i think he's really able to play point guard within that offense in a way that fits his skill set 
But when we see more than three weeks of tape, what does it look like? When we see defenses tailored to stop exactly what they are, can he make a play on his own outside of structure when teams are taking away what they do best? That's why I want to see what it's like against this particular defense, because I think that the Bengals, at the very least, will have a very good plan for what the Dolphins have been like over the first few weeks of the season. And it's always funny to me how little tiny moments and sliding doors moments can change the way that we talk about somebody. If Matt Milano picks off that ball last week and returns it for a touchdown, yeah. how are we talking about Tua right now? That's right. I think he's done very well. And I think there have been a couple moments that throw he had the, the little slant for the touchdown last week. He put some zip on that ball. He's escaped some muddy pockets on a couple plays to make things happen out of structure. So there are little kernels of what I want to see from him, but I want to see what it looks like a month from now, two months from now, when we get into the playoffs, I firmly believe this will be a playoff team just because of how well the offense is constructed, the talent that they have and how well their defense can play for stretches. When we get there, what does it look like? And that's something we won't know for months. You're, you're, See, you're Robert so makes right, a Robert. great point, yeah. though. He, he makes yeah, a great I, point I in terms of say, you. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead, Michael. Yeah, go ahead. Well, he's talking. Oh, ahead, about, I mean, we've talked about this before, how many times with young quarterbacks, we tend to call them a bust. And it's less about the player than the situation that they were put into. And that is when coaching matters, you know, in terms of what do you have and can you game plan? Can you can you coach to a specific skill set that your player has? And Mike McDaniel is doing that with Tua. There are others, other coaches who are so stubborn and say, this is what, I, this is my system. This is what we run. And you're going to run it, even if it doesn't fit the player skill set. So it's such an incredible point that he makes there about how it is constructed, you know, in this case, because I think that's part of the reason that Tua is having so much success right now. Yeah, I was I mean, always wondering. And well, you're right, Robert, season, it, I, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you're, you're that that game, I, I love your point about uh, the Buffalo game. Matt Milano, Matt Milano, picks off that, uh, picks off the pass. He drops it right in his, right in the bread basket. He drops it. That's a pick six. If if Josh Allen of all people makes a better throw, I mean it was just like I'm like whoa, that's a touchdown. Josh Allen really missed uh, an easy throw. If if those if those couple things happen. Ken Dorsey's papers are going the other way. Instead of doing this to his papers, he's throwing up. He's surprised. It's confetti. See, wait, Instead of like, whoa, whoa. wait, you're so wrong for that. Because all, all that comes back to me is LeVon Kirkland one year when he said to me, if it was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. We can go through every game <laughs> and pick out a player or two and say, if, if, if. I know. And it goes the other but, way. So I, to me, that's unfair. Well, let me ask you this. Let me, okay, if you want to throw the ifs out and say we could do this all day, I know freezing cold takes were made for the month of September when teams are 3-0, and 4-0. And you're like, yeah, they're going to do it, and then they can, they can tank, and they can just take a nosedive. Sure. They beat Buffalo on Sunday. I want, I want both of your takes on this. They beat Buffalo on Sunday. I didn't think they'd win the game. I know it's only September. Do you see a scenario in which Miami, not Buffalo, wins the AFC East that Miami is the best team in that division. Can you see, can you see that happening? It's Go hard ahead, Robert. for me. It's hard for me. I, even with Buffalo's injuries and those are real, you know, the guys that are missing on defense, they just signed Xavier Rhodes today after their practice squad. Their secondary is really banged up. Losing a guy like Micah Hyde is a huge blow for that defense. Jordan Poyer's banged up, but I still think that when they get some of those guys back, they're one of, if not the best defense in the league. Even if we think Miami's defensive floor is somewhere around middle of the road, Buffalo's ceiling on that side of the ball is so much higher. And I still feel like Josh Allen, when healthy, might be the best player in the NFL, the way he played over the first wow. two weeks of the season. And even if oh, we think two... Oh, don't do it. Don't do oh, it. Oh, wait a minute. I, the way I, wait I tried it out last minute. week. I tried it out last week just to see how it felt. And watching him over those first two weeks, some of the things that he was doing, playing within structure, reining in his, amb his ambition a little bit, the precision he was throwing the ball with, understanding when to take off, still having that otherworldly physical talent. Well, however we want to stack him up, he's at a very small table of quarterbacks and how they can affect the game. And even if we think Tua can pilot this offense and keep things on track. There's a difference between guys who take you and drag you where you're going and guys who can oversee what an offense can be. And that's okay. 
The fact that Tua is that at this point in his career, that's not a knock on him, but he's not in the world that Josh Allen is in. So I just think that there are more ways the Bills can win. There are more ways the Bills can figure this out. There are more problems they can solve over a 17-game season, even if we're bullish on Miami. The idea that the Bills are still the favor in that division is not an indictment of what the Dolphins are right now, because I think they've been extremely impressive, and I think they'll continue to be. But I just think the top to bottom, even with some of the guys that are out right now, the Bills are the best team in the league. You know, I'm not going to say the best team in the league, but I do believe I agree with you on the best team in that division right now. I am concerned about that secondary, though. I mean, potentially they could be without their top five cornerbacks or not cornerbacks, but defensive backs going into this game this weekend. And Leslie Frazier is a tremendous defensive coordinator. He's someone I don't think gets enough credit for what he does. I think he should be a head coach in this in, in the NFL this next hiring cycle as it comes around. I do agree with you that Josh Allen is in a different stratosphere than than Tua Tunga Bailoa. Um, but having said all of that, I can't on, let you it. slide. I can't let you slide with saying <laughs> that about Josh Allen when Lamar Jackson is out there. I knew it. Doing things <laughs> I knew it was that coming. nobody has ever done. Incredible. No one has ever done. And for all those who say, oh, he can't throw from the pocket. 88% of his passes have been from the pocket. 66 have been completed. Nine of them for touchdowns, only two interceptions out of that. Then we look at the run the run um, aspect of it. We talk about blitzing. The Patriots blitzed him 10 times last week. He completed Foolish. nine of those passes for over 100 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, I love Josh Allen. I think he's in that MVP conversation. And as you say, he's at that, that small table of truly elite quarterbacks right now. But, man, what bothers me is I hear people saying Lamar Jackson is the front runner for Offensive Player of the Year. And I'm like, what happened to MVP? His numbers are better now through three games than they and, were in 2019 when and, he was unanimously and voted this, MVP. And, and Jim, Jim and Robert, if he is the MVP, you want to talk about a negotiating just boon. Just talk about the all-time great negotiating move where you say, nah, I'm good, and you're in a, theoretically, in a contract year. Oh, I know the Ravens could throw a tag on them if they wanted to, but you're in a contract year, you're asking for a guaranteed contract, and then you go out and you win MVP during that negotiating season? You can't get better than that. The only person we've seen do something like that is Aaron Judge, who's doing it right now with the Yankees in a contract year. Um, But... Do you think, and, and coming back to the contract, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not debating the pros and cons of, of what he's doing. If it, is it right or is it wrong? Just simply, do you think he will get the guaranteed contract either from Baltimore or someone else? Does he, does he kind of compromise on that position, or does he say, no, 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 no? I, I've proven on the field. This is my second MVP. I'm 25, two MVPs. You gotta give me a guaranteed contract. My gut feeling is no, just because the team has such incredible leverage with the two tags. And that's the where they can really pull that lever. That's what makes it difficult. But it's a fascinating standoff because, Jim, you've covered this league for a long time. I don't know how many guys we've seen at the quarterback position exert the leverage and the power that they have to the fullest extent. Kirk Cousins is the one that did. And Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. He's not Lamar Jackson. We've never really seen a quarterback at this level take it all the way. And that's why I can't wait to see how it plays out because you know, Dak kind of did, you know, he, obviously he played on the tag. He was willing to, he got hurt. He still got that deal. And that's just a reminder of if you're one of the elite guys, you're getting paid no matter what. And even if Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback in this league, what we're saying about Lamar Jackson right now and the way he's playing right now, he's never been better. We're running out of areas of Lamar Jackson's game where there's even a slight weakness. And if he is one of those guys at that table with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, maybe Justin Herbert, the guys that are in their mid-20s and are top five quarterback talents in the NFL, and he's willing to push this thing all the way to the limit, how does that end up playing out? Because if you're Patrick Mahomes and somebody comes to you and says, here's a 10-year, $450 million contract, you're fine taking it because you're set for life. You're not worried about all the details of it, whether you're extracting every single dollar you can. And I don't blame a guy for wanting to do that. 
And the fact that Lamar is willing to do it, what is the end result of that? I have no idea. My gut feeling is that he doesn't get the guaranteed deal just because, again, the team has enough leverage. But I don't think we've ever seen a situation like this with a quarterback of Lamar's caliber, and that's why it's hard to understand how it's going to play out. Yeah, I would agree with him. I, I don't think that he gets a fully guaranteed deal that he wants right now, and that's okay. I mean, if the franchise tag is going to be in excess of $40 million next year, you play under that, and then if they want to franchise you the following year, it's 120% increase over that. So what? We're talking about $48 million, $50 million in yeah. the second year of that. So potentially he can make so close 100 to $100 million. million in those two years. Lamar's going to be fine with that. Look, look, here's my thing on Lamar, and this is – I agree with you, Robert. I am so fascinated to see how this plays out because I think he is the one player who will take it all the way because for him, if you go back through his history, it has always been he has had a very small circle of people around him, and they believe in each other, and they stick together, and he is a man who has shown when he says something, he means it. And I believe that the fact that he played this out this year when the when the Ravens had put a nice deal on the table by all accounts from what we've heard, I think Lamar's gonna play this out all the way. And and why I'm fascinated by it as well is he has an owner who has already publicly said who was critical of the Cleveland Browns for giving Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. So either Steve Bashotti is going to have to backtrack on what he said or they're going to have to give Lamar what he wants. And as you say, Michael, if he's coming off an MVP season, particularly if they make a deep playoff run, that's going to be a fascinating negotiation. I'll just say this on the way out. Um, you know, look at Lamar Jackson. And and, and it's, it's so funny. Uh, you can always find, and you guys do this too, when you're having NFL conversations with people, you just kind of, Bring up, a, I do this. Okay, I'll admit it. I'll, 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 I'll give up one of my secrets. I'll give up one of my secrets. I will introduce a topic that is slight, like lightweight polarizing to see how the person handles it. If they go into some of the cliche areas, I go, okay, all right, I see where they're going. So Lamar Jackson is one of those topics where you bring it up and people say, well, yeah, you know, he's a really good runner, but. I don't know how he is in the pocket. What do you mean? I mean, just right now, right now, I know it's early in both of their careers. Right now, he's got a higher completion percentage than Josh Allen. Uh, right now, uh, as you pointed out, Trotter, he's on a just staggering run when it comes to facing the blitz and how he's able to pick teams apart, not taking off and running, just coming back, understanding where the extra guy is coming from, and then slicing a defense up. And then let's get to the running. He's got more rushing yards. I love my favorite stat. More rushing yards than every running back taken in the first round of his draft class. Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle. He's got more career rushing yards than all of those guys. So, I mean, we've just never seen anything like it. We've never seen anything like it, and it's getting better. That's the crazy thing. It's getting better. And you, Robert Mays, are getting better and better with every appearance because the last time you didn't have that Nine Inch Nails artwork behind you. <laughs> Props to you. You know what you're doing. Always good to see I you, my friend. It. Good to see you guys, Stop too. Really anytime. appreciate the time. Awesome. Appreciate you, Absolutely. Robert. It's fun. See you guys later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How have you and Bonnie kind of been able to move I haven't spoken to Between those lines now, I just work. You know, I'm not playing for myself. You know, 
have an organization across my chest or a name on my back that I have to represent. I'm just here to work. If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? Huh? If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? I can show him better than I can tell him. How you and Monty? Yo! <laughs> that bro. Hey, once again, this is somebody who wants you to know. And look, look, I don't want you to be confused. I haven't talked to him. I mean, you know, before you start saying, how have you, because the reporter tried to ease into it. You know, how are you and Monty been able to, no, no, I haven't talked to Monty. No, I haven't <laughs> talked to him. <laughs> I want you to know that. And then when he asked him, are you happy, to, Jim, are you happy to be here? I'm all right. I almost, I almost expected the Marshawn line. I'm just here so I don't get fined. You know, I, I was I'm waiting for him. I, I was waiting for him to break that out. But you, you know, Michael, what's so fascinating about this to me is, and and I think you'll appreciate this from your perspective as a journalist as well. So I teach a sports journalism class at San Diego State, and with the students last night, I brought this up, and what I was interested interested in is seeing how they as aspiring journalists, professional journalists, would view that situation and would, would write about it. And it was interesting to me that some were like mad at, at Aiton, DeAndre saying, you know, basically he's he doesn't want to be with the team, this, that, and the other, and he's wrong for doing it like that. And then you had others who saw it as him saying, you know what, none of that stuff matters because my, my, my objective is to go out and dominate and, and mm. to play well. So it was just fascinating because as I said to them, we in the media have a way, we have at times the power to create the narrative. And so if right. you are, let's say the beat writer for the Phoenix Suns and you view that as what he said and what he, the way he um, handled that press conference as a negative, you have now That's painted right. him in a negative light. But if what he actually meant was that I'm going to go out and ball out. That's how I will show Monty Williams. That's completely different from how you are framing this. So as, as the quote unquote professor, I found it interesting to hear how young journalists would view that situation and how they would handle it. Because for me, what I took from it was he was basically saying, you know what? I realize now this is a business and I'm here to do my job right. and to do it as best as I can do it. And whatever happens after that happens. That's how I took it. And I love it. I love uh, I love your class uh, because what because they're all right. The ones who say that it that all things can be true. Like it can be a negative because you got an employee making thirty three million dollars a year, mind you, saying, "Okay, I'm all right. I'm all right being here," and uh, it's fine. So he's not happy. It's clear that he's not happy, and it's clear that. It's not about Monty for him. He's playing for his teammates. So you can be both things can happen. You can be unhappy and play well or, or, or you can let that get in the way and it depends on how their season goes. Like it could be a positive and a negative depending on how their season goes. They they got off to an amazing start last year. They had off to a better start last year than they did when they went to the NBA finals the year before. Fell apart for them. But if they if they get off to a start like that again this year, nobody cares. They go right, five hundred in the point, first forty. I, yeah, they go five hundred yeah. in the first forty games. It's an issue. My point more in terms of journalism journalism lesson there for the students was how you frame that initial initial press conference will go a long way towards how people see DeAndre Ayton, and so you can present it as as you just said, all these things could be true. You can present the points, but if you take a position, which I think we see more and more now um, because everyone is in the land of hot takes, and I, Ooh, think sometimes, I think sometimes beat writers forget that it is not your job to have a hot take. It is your job to report the news. And so therefore, if in your mind you have a hot take about what all this is about and your story is written from that perspective, and your perspective is wrong, you have unfair, unfairly tarnished this player in the public's eye, in my opinion. So, 
part of that discussion yeah. with them as always. Leave the opining to the columnist, and you as a beat reporter, as the reporter, report the news and provide the context and let people draw their own conclusions. Yeah, and that's, and that's great advice. And I got to tell you, it, it's hard to find, uh, Professor Trotter, it, it's hard to find like a, a true good guy and a bad guy. Like, you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't unfold that way when you talk about the Suns, the Suns versus DeAndre Ayton, if you want to frame it like that. Because, yeah, DeAndre Ayton is upset. He was benched early in Game 7. They got blown out by the Mavericks. And then he's dangling out there as a restricted free agent in the offseason. And it's clear to, you know, to every those of us on the outside looking in saying, the Suns don't want him. He, right. He's going to go somewhere else. They'll make right. him a part of some trade uh, with, you know, they bring in Kevin Durant in. Maybe he's a part of the Kevin Durant trade, something like that. He signs that offer with the Pacers and they match it. Right. Okay. You could have had him. Why go through all of this just to come back and match the contract offer that the Pacers gave him? So it was very confusing. I can understand from him. We're talking about human beings again. It's not. DeAndre right. Ayton center Phoenix Suns. It's a young man who's in his 20s trying to figure out where he's going to work next and he's got a lot of money. I'm not I'm not feeling sorry for him, but just in terms of planning his future. He's like, "Okay, they don't want me. I'll go somewhere else." And then all of a sudden they want him they want him back. And so all of that factors into it. I know the Suns are running a business, but he's trying to figure out what it means for him and his personal business. So I can't I can't really find a a good guy and a bad guy. You know what I mean? And and it's not always that we should be searching for a good guy and a bad guy. It is the business of professional sports. Sometimes a team will want you. Sometimes it won't. The team is going to do what is in its best interest, and a player should do what's in his or her best interest. That's okay. And and I know I say this, you know, take the emotion out of it, and that's hard to do because we're talking about human beings. Right. But right. I, I don't I don't think there's necessarily a good or a bad guy in this situation. I do think Monty Williams should have spoken to him at some point between that game seven. Hey, and, well, 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 hold on. And now. hold on. Mm-hmm. He said he hasn't spoken to Monty, as in it was his choice. I, I'm sure right. Monty. I'm sure Monty said. Hey, reach out, send him a text. Hey, we got you back on. Four years. Are we, are we sure? I, I, are we I'm sure? not sure. I'm not okay. sure. But All right. you said Monty should have. Maybe Monty I, tried. I did. I did. I did. And maybe I, maybe and, tried. And, and knowing I, Monty. And I may be wrong. Yeah, you know, knowing Monty, I can see him just reaching out, even if he didn't want to. Just reaching out. Okay, this is what I got to do as a coach. This has gone on long enough. We didn't talk, man. Okay, if May turns into June, June turns into July. <laughs> like, man, I haven't, who haven't I talked to? DeAndre. <laughs> and, and, and maybe, I, I love it though. I love that he volunteered it. I love that DeAndre just volunteered that. I, it was shocking. I didn't see that coming. And maybe what you could tell, you could tell your students this too. Never go into a media session, a media day, thinking that you've got the whole thing mapped out that oh i know exactly what i'm going to say and i'm going to go here and go here because when that happens that's your lead your lead just changed i don't know what you think your lead is there it is you know what you know what i'm gonna tell my students when we get back in class on thursday night what time thursday what time thursday i may pop in 5 5 30 pacific I'll, i'll bring you in i'll zoom you in but right, I'm going to tell right, my man. students, you, you know what? Even at my advanced age, I'm still learning because Professor Holly just educated me on making assumptions <laughs> without knowing what actually is happening. So, Professor Holly, I thank you for educating me on that and reminding me the dangers of making assumptions. All right. Hey, listen, it's okay, Jim. Uh, stop by office hours tomorrow. Three to four, three to four, you come by office hours right here on Peacock TV. I need you here for an hour tomorrow. I'll be here. I'll be here. During during office hours. We'll come back though. We gotta come back. We gotta talk about something else. 
before we go, we got to talk about something very serious in Major League Baseball. Come on, compete, y'all, compete. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Jim, I got to say, I'm so upset by this Aaron Judge situation. The way teams are avoiding him. He walked four times yesterday, pitched to him. They're afraid to pitch them because nobody wants to be on the poster. Nobody wants to be the guy <laughs> who gave up number 61 and 62. I think this is ridiculous. How do you feel about this? They're avoiding Aaron Judge. Yeah, you know, Michael, I think it, if I could use the word, it's it's cowardly. Man, if yes. you're a professional athlete, you get to that level by wanting to compete, by wanting to be matched against the best that there is. And here is your opportunity and yet you don't take it. And maybe your manager is telling you not to give him anything to hit. I don't know. I don't want to jump to conclusions or make assumptions. But here's what baseball has to be careful about. I grew up a huge boxing fan. I'm old enough. I used to listen to it on the radio back before the satellite days and whatnot because I loved the sport that much. And then I got turned off by it as I got older. Why? Because the best weren't getting matched against the best. The fights we wanted to see, we were not allowed to see. So in baseball, people are not paying money to see Aaron Judge be intentionally walked. They're paying money to see him compete against the best that there is. And so from that standpoint, baseball needs to be careful with this. That's right. Let's hope that we're talking about this tomorrow and that Aaron Judge actually got a pitch to hit and hit it out of the park. Good to see you, Jim Trotter. Back tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.